If you do any prospecting with LinkedIn, you have got to go get set up with Surf. That's S-U-R-F-E. It's a tool you can use to add new contacts to your CRM system directly from LinkedIn in seconds. I'm using it every single day. I add contacts, follow my deals, keep track of notes, and it ends up saving me a bunch of time on prospecting and outreach, which means I can spend more time moving my deals along. The data is always 100% accurate since I don't have to copy and paste all the fields over from each and every contact that I want to put in my CRM. Instead, Surf does that all automatically with just one click in about 60 seconds. The team over at Surf has put together a very special offer for fans of sales players. There's a link down in the show notes and you can use the promo code JWSURF5. Don't forget the E at the end of Surf. That's JWSURF5 for 5% off your first year. Don't spend another minute doing things manually. Go get set up with Surf. My guest today is Colin Mitchell. Colin is the Chief Revenue Officer of SalesCast and the host of Sales Transformation, another sales podcast that I highly recommend and I've posted a link to in the show notes. I was actually recently interviewed by Colin and I'm so glad he agreed to come on my show to share his insight into podcasting, startup sales, and since he's talking to sellers every single day on his show about their transformations He knows all of the great insights into how the best sellers work on themselves, improve their craft, and level up. So with that, welcome Colin to the SaaS Sales Players. Yeah, Jesse, thanks for having me on. Had you on my show recently, and uh, so I know this is going to be a good one, and we're definitely going to have some fun. Yeah, we uh, we have a lot a lot in common. We talked about on your show some door to door selling and getting our start in more of a you know non traditional. I shouldn't say non traditional. It's a very traditional sales approach, but uh, you know a little more school of hard knocks uh, entrance into the sales business. But I'd love to hear you tell your story uh, about how you got into sales. Yeah, it's funny. I've I've had a lot of people on my show and. Um, for whatever reason, I, I always love people who got their start knocking on doors. Um, I think there's part of me that wishes that's like part of my story. Cause I think, I think it's like the most difficult sales job you could have is knocking mm-hmm. on doors. It's one thing to like cold call somebody and interrupt their day at the office, but to like knock on somebody's door and like interrupt, interrupt their evening in the middle of their dinner, or whatever the yep. seems like you'd have a lot more obstacles, uh, overcoming that. So I always have a ton of respect for people who say they started off knocking on doors and are still in sales. Yeah. So, um, my, yeah, my story is a little different. So, uh, you know, I grew up, uh, I grew up poor. I was raised by a single mom. I had three mm-hmm. brothers. Uh, my dad was never around, you know, we survived off food stamps and government cheese. And sometimes my mom came up short to pay the rent and, uh, we got kicked out of places and life was not easy. Um, Mm -hmm. I was also exposed to a lot of things as a kid, like through, um, my dad, when he was around or when I saw him or with summers or whatever the case that like a lot of kids shouldn't never have to experience. Um, and the thing is, is like, I wouldn't change any of those. Like we all have stories and we all have experiences and we can either like let those define us, or we can choose to like use that as fuel, uh, to turn it into success. And that's what I chose to do. And, um, I didn't know what I wanted to do when I was young. Nobody Mm -hmm. was even really telling me that college was important. I barely made it through high school. Uh, so when I got my first sales job, Mm -hmm. like I knew that was my way out. Like, 
there was not a ton of opportunities knocking at my door. Um, it, I didn't have, you know, interviews lined up and, you know, um, anything like that. So when I got my first sales job, I was like, this is, this is my way out of like not having life be a struggle. And I made the best out of it. Um, I was the first one in the office every day. Mm-hmm. I was the last one to leave every day. And then I would yeah. come in on Saturday to like do emails and proposals and get my list ready. And, uh, I didn't have great, like, training or like, you know, some, you know, magic manager that made things awesome for me. Like training was pretty much consist of like, here's a list of names. Uh, there's the phone, here's the script and don't use the CRM cause it doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was just going to say, and, that, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. And so, you know, for there, it was just like really just hard work and like picking up what other people were doing and seeing what was working for them and asking a lot of questions and learning just through experience what worked and didn't work. And I worked my way up to the top to the, of, of that company pretty quickly. Yeah. I've, I've met a lot of top performers in, in my career who had, you know, a rough childhood to, to say, to, to to say it how it is, it, you know, and I'm, I'm no exception to that either. Uh, and I think sales is, is like the great equalizer, which is really cool. Uh, because, you know, unlike becoming a pro athlete, uh, it's a little bit more accessible than, than doing something like that and really breaking out of your, your financial situation or your economic situation or your upbringing. And it's, it's a great way to just head on address what your, you know, personal weaknesses are. Cause you have to quickly figure those out and you have to either figure out how to turn those into your strengths or improve them to a point where you can go out and produce. So I love the the background. That's so interesting. Yeah. I mean, cause it's, it's like when you experience some of the things that I did like early on, like getting hung up on a cold call, is nothing <laughs> like that does not, that does not stress you out. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Knocking on a door when you know someone's home and you can see them peeking through the blinds and they're just straight up ignoring you would, would trip somebody else out. But, but it sounds like you were, were no stranger to, to hard times and rejection and those kind of things. Yeah. You mentioned something really interesting, which was you came in and you developed your own process and your own style based on watching others. It sounds like you kind of synthesized that from looking at who was doing well uh, tell us, you know, what, what were some, like in that first role, what were some of the things that you spotted, uh, early on that you saw as big advantages or big assets to have in a selling career? Yeah. I mean, a lot of people want to think they're like, you know, want to be unique or want to like mm-hmm. be themselves. And that's all great. Like finding, you know, your, your, your way that is comfortable for you and using your own language and creating your own scripts and emails and things like that. Like, great. That is something you should do. But when you're just getting started, like you don't need to reinvent the wheel, (laughs) like figure out what's working for others and figure out how you can implement that and then have some success with that. And then you can make maybe your own version of that approach or that style or that script or that, you know, email sequence or template or proposal or whatever the case is, like see what's working for others, implement that, have some success and then sort of make it your own. And, you know, for me, like there were some things that worked and didn't work, like things that were working for somebody that felt uncomfortable, 
didn't work for as well for me. And there was one thing I remember specifically that I was saying over the phone for somebody who's constantly getting deals. And I just, I just like, Hey, he's saying it, I'm going to say it, it's working. Yeah. Um, and then somebody else came on and sort of backfired on me because another <laughs> gentleman came along and he's like, you should stop saying that on the phone. And I'm like, what do you mean? Have you seen the board? Like, why would I stop saying that? Um, right. He's like, yeah, but it's not true. I'm like, oh, <laughs> oh I didn't man. know that. Oh, <laughs> like I yeah. just, like I just, I didn't know what I didn't know, you know. And I was like, he's saying it, it's working. I'm gonna say it, it's working. Um, so yeah, it, it can backfire. It's just kind of a funny story, but yeah, but yeah, I mean, I think early on, don't try to recreate the wheel. Like, like see what's working, implement mm-hmm. that, and then once you have some success, make it your own. That's great advice. That's, that's really good advice. Uh, I'm curious now you, you have a, I think a, a very interesting perspective on the sales industry because you're, you're talking to a lot of top sellers, top sales leadership as part of your current role. What are some big mistakes that you see reps make early on and how, you know, if you were going back and starting over again, how would you make sure to avoid those pitfalls? It's a big, it's a big one to swallow. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 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 It's, I mean, we could go a lot of different ways here. So I'll have to pick my poison, but, uh, I mean, yeah, early on mistakes, like you got to understand, um, and this is something like I had to learn the hard way for sure is that you can't define yourself by your number. And that's really hard to do, especially when you're early on in sales and like, all you want to do is produce, and like prove that you can do that job or, you know, prove that you could be successful in your role. Um, but it's really hard to like, not to balance, like not tying your self-worth to whether you produce or not. Like that's a yep. hard emotional roller coaster that a lot of sellers, even more seasoned sellers still have a hard time with. Um, and what, yeah. and how you can really shift your mindset <clears throat> is to focus on the things that you can control. Like there's certain things that you cannot control. You can control like how many activities you, you, you put in each day. Like you can control mm-hmm. how many calls you make, how many emails you send, how personalized those are, or if they're just like copy paste templates or whatever the case is, or if you're just hitting, you know, launch on a sequence versus like really taking your time to, to reach out in a meaningful personalized way. That's like relevant to your prospect. You can control those things. You can control if you're cold calling, you can control how many calls you make. You can control what you say on those calls and how you say you can't control like if they're going to book a meeting or if they're going to sign their proposal, like you can do everything Mm -hmm. right. And you could still not get that result that you're looking for. Um, So that's, that's a hard pill to swallow realizing like, what, if I do everything right, I still might not get the deal. And that's the, that's just the the hard truth. And so you really got to find a balance of like focusing on what you can control and not attaching like your self-worth to whether you get those results that you're looking for. And, and a lot of people have a hard time with this because when the goal of making cold calls is to book meetings, how can I not focus on booking meetings? Right. Right. Well, you got to flip it a little bit and you got to say, my goal is to have a bunch of conversations today. And mm-hmm. in those conversations, I might book some meetings. That's so good. And frankly, it's, it's a lesson that I, I'm still learning. I, I think everybody, like, like you said earlier, regardless of where you are in your sales journey, there's, it's, it's hard to overcome that one and, fo- and just focus on what you can control and tune out the stuff that you can't. But that's probably some of the best advice mm-hmm. for anyone starting out out there. Uh, to, to take to consideration, take to heart and, and yeah, make that your, your focus. 
Let me ask you this. So you, it looks like you went from a selling role and you, ju- you jumped into some entrepreneurial endeavors as a mouthful. Uh, yeah. looks like you founded a couple of companies. Uh, tell us about how, you know, sales enhanced that experience and, and maybe gave you an edge in being a business owner, being an entrepreneur. I think that's super interesting that you went from being a sales contributor into, you know, owning a business, founding a business. Tell us a bit about that journey and how sales helped with that. I mean, sales helped with that a thousand percent. Um, you know, if you're thinking about entrepreneurship or a side hustle or some iteration of something, you know, in between there, uh, sales is the number one skill that you need. And if you're a more technical person, which I assume if you're listening to this podcast, mm-hmm. you maybe aren't, <laughs> you're probably a salesperson, uh, yeah. considering it's the SaaS, you know, sales, uh, players here. So, uh, mm-hmm. assuming that you, you know, sales is the number one skill that you need for entrepreneurship, side hustle, anything that you're going to do. Um, and so I think like, if you're thinking of taking the entrepreneurship leap, um, sales will serve you well. There's a lot of other things that you'll need to figure out and you'll need to learn that are non-sales related. Um, but sales is like the solution to everything. So if you can manage to at least be good at that, you can be average at all the other stuff and figure those out or eventually hire people for those things or Mm -hmm. outsource some of those things that maybe you don't enjoy doing or that you're not as good at. Um, but sales is, is ultimately the number one skill that any entrepreneur needs. And, you know, my wife and I started our first company in 2010 and mm-hmm. we fully bootstrapped that, you know, all hundred percent fueled by sales, like did zero marketing activities, spent $0 on marketing. And we grew that to 5 million bucks in 26 months. Wow. In 26 months. Yeah. Oh man. So just from reaching out, prospecting all of the same activities that, that you would have been doing in a, in a selling role. Just this time you were the owner of the business and sort of controlled that finished product. Yeah. So it was a yeah. combination of that. And then also recruiting and training new reps. Uh, of course. So scaling out the actual sales team so that you had that, mm-hmm. yeah, the scalability of the business. Um, so was that a, was that a tech company or was that, uh, so we were an IT, like an IT VAR. So we sold like technology products and eventually like services and things like that and equipment. We mostly served, um, K through 12 schools and then government agencies. Wow. And the government, the government agencies, that's no, that's no easy nut to crack. I mean, getting in and and dealing with, in some cases, bureaucracy and budgets and, oh man. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's tough, but you know, if you can find a niche in something that you do, um, you know, and that industry was like, you know, it was getting harder. Like, so that was the industry that I was in prior in a VP of sales position. And then before that, just an individual full cycle rep and the industry was changing a lot. Margins were getting thinner. You know, people were starting to buy more things on like Amazon and online and all these other places that were ultimately just eating away at the margins. Um, and so like really niching down in like K through 12 schools and government agencies that still really needed a more personalized approach and more like customized, um, you know, way of getting them those products rather than just like going online and purchasing anything for the lowest price, uh, was where, why we had a lot of success. Cause we just focused on an industry that still really needed those products and the way that we could deliver them. That's awesome. That brings up a really good question. So you mentioned that it was 
you were in a space that was kind of saturating. And this is a topic that I've heard actually from a number of listeners and a number of my colleagues who are out there selling SaaS. A lot of people, especially in certain SaaS categories are saying, hey, it's starting to eat the world. Uh, or in, you know, in certain markets, there's just a gajillion, not a real number, but obviously, you know, tens of thousands of different solutions that one could purchase and the market's starting to get crowded. Uh, you touched on a couple of them, but were there some other areas or, or ways that you stood out in a crowded market? This is, again, a topic that a lot of my listeners ask about is how do I stand out when I'm prospecting into a very crowded marketplace? Uh, anything else you could you could add on to what you already shared? Yeah, I mean, you've got to be able to articulate your value, right? Like mm -hmm. if you're selling a highly transactional product or service, it's a little bit tough, you know, yeah. um, but people are still buying products and services from people. Um, and so, you know, you've got to be able to identify and differentiate yourself from your competitors. Like you should know your competitors so well that you should be able to know how you're different or what value you bring. And so, and also it's being very disciplined of knowing like who I best serve and who I don't, and also walking away from the ones that you don't, like if you're really not the best fit, you got to be confident enough to walk away from those deals. Yeah. Very interesting. Uh, I want to shift gears a little bit too. So you've spent now the last while kind of in the podcasting and the sales podcasting arena, and that's how you and I got connected. And I was telling you off air, I'm so glad that we had a chance to meet because just spending a little bit of time with you has added a lot of value to, to my show. And it sounds like, you know, from talking to you that you're a huge believer that reps should have a podcast because it's not only a new prospecting channel, but it gives you thought leadership. It's a platform to share ideas and a way to really reach more mass than, you know, more masses than you would through the standard prospecting channels like cold calls and emails and LinkedIn. Uh, yeah. Tell us where, you know, how did you get your start in podcasting and, you know, maybe share some thoughts on, on how a rep could get started with, with the podcasting category and really building out that channel. Yeah. Yeah. I love this question. Um, yeah. So I, I went on a podcast for the first time, like two years ago, and it was on my co-founder, Chris's podcast. He invited me huh. to come to his studio in Irvine. Uh, I had a great experience. It was awesome. Nobody had ever asked me on a podcast. We talked about like life work balance or something like that. It's like pre COVID and, yeah. um, and, and, uh, and my natural, next thing was how do I start a podcast of my own? And, and so he's like, dude, you can interview whoever you want and I'll take care of the rest for you. And I'm like, that oh, sounds awesome. Cause I'm super busy. I don't know how to edit a podcast. I don't know yeah. how to create content. Like, and so, <clears throat> and then a really successful podcaster came along who then had asked me to come on his show as well. And he's like, if you're going to do a podcast, you got to, you got to record 20 and you got to release them daily. And then Apple will list you in their new noteworthy section and you'll pick up tons of listeners early on your journey. Yeah. And I'm like, Hey, this guy, this sounds like he knows what he's talking about. He's getting like 70,000 downloads a month on his podcast. Like, of course I'm going to listen to him. And so I recorded 20 and I released them daily and I never got listed in the new note or the section of Apple. <laughs> so wait, that was, it was record 20 minutes or what, what's the, no, 20s? no, 20 episodes, 20, 20 episodes. episodes and release them daily. So you basically daily. record 20 and then like start releasing them daily for like, you know, three got weeks it. or whatever. So and, you're just uh, like, it's the and I think that that was a thing maybe when he started, like he had right. his podcast for a long time and that maybe worked for him. Uh, but for whatever reason, it didn't work for me, but what happened 
in that period of time <clears throat> mm -hmm. is we created a process and a procedure and like a habit of like a high frequency podcast. Yeah. And, and so, you know, we had a process and we built that out and we had editing and all of this stuff happened. And then I really fell in love with the activity. And yeah. after 20, I was, yes, I was a little bit bummed that I didn't get listed in the new noteworthy um, section of Apple. Um, <clears throat> but I really enjoyed the activity and I had 20 new awesome relationships with awesome people. And I started to realize, okay, okay, like downloads and listens are important, but the biggest asset for a podcast host is really the guests, like the relationship yeah. with the guest. And then something else interesting happened where another person asked me to go on their podcast. And this is like, you know, the third podcast I'd been on at the time. And it was a really weird podcast. Like <laughs> it was a horrible experience. So we went on, yeah. we went on a zoom he put in the chat, like, here's five questions that I'm going to ask you. And we keep our episodes like below 15 minutes or something like, that. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. They're really short. And so then I, he's like, send me your responses. So I responded to his questions, blah, blah, blah. And then he responded back with how he would like me to answer the questions, which was like a little bit different. Oh, that is answer weird. No. And uh, I'm like, okay, I don't know. This is his show. I'm going to go along. He's been podcasting yeah. longer than me. And so we did the episode and I think we did it in like nine minutes <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and, and then he stopped recording and then he immediately tried to sell me something. Wow. Like some really? high ticket, some high ticket, like coaching, consulting $5,000 package or something. No like that. way. Um, and the funny thing is, is he was trying to sell me a package on starting a podcast and um, I already had a podcast and yeah. so, it was so it was so funny that he clearly had no idea who I was and he was just like spamming people and asking them on the show. And most people are going to say yes. Yeah. And so then it really kind of pissed me off and, and, and I could and understand. Like, yeah. So then after that, I go back to Chris and I'm like, Chris, you'll never believe what happened. And I tell him the story and then he's like, wow, it's horrible. And then I'm sitting yeah. there thinking, I'm like, it's actually a really good idea. It's just horrible execution. <laughs> it's horrible. It's execution, just horrible yeah. execution. And wow. so I had this experience of like the 20 episodes that I did and I had like 20 new awesome relationships with these people. And I hadn't thought about like trying to sell them anything or anything like that. And then I had this experience and I realized like, Hey, that is like one of the best things about being a podcast host is like the relationships that you can build and you can pretty much reach out to anybody and you're going to have really good success with them saying, yes, I will come on your podcast. And so I'm a big, and then, so we basically, you know, started offering this to more people and really teaching our clients of how to use the podcast to drive revenue through new mm. relationships with the right people. And so, and wow. that could mean a couple of different things. Things, like your ideal clients, your ideal partners, tapping into the audiences of the people that your clients follow. And those are kind of three like high level strategies of like, how do I drive revenue with a podcast rather mm -hmm. than getting in the rat race of like trying to get downloads to get sponsors, which is like what most people think is the only way that they only can way, make yeah. money. Yeah. Right? which is a great way to make money. Um, but it takes a lot of time and most people give up before they get there. Yeah. And that's why there's 2.6 million podcasts that have been published up to date right now, but only 50% of them are still releasing episodes today. And it's because most of them don't have a sound strategy to drive revenue. Mm. Um, 
And I mean, there's so many benefits. I mean, like as a podcast host, you learn how to be more curious and ask better questions. And you always hear people telling, you've heard, you know, sales trainers and thought leaders and managers say, get to know your customers, speak their language, all of these things. Right. And it's like, okay, what am I going to do? Read the books they read, listen to the podcast they listen to, join their groups or forums or whatever. That's all great. But Mm -hmm. what better than just like invite those people on your podcast, build relationships with them collaborate, create content together and ask them any question you want Yeah, and get the real answers. And so the thing is, is like, is this, is podcasting going to be like, answer all of your prospecting, um, you know, goals? No. Mm -hmm. But like, if you had a list of like your top hundred clients or 200 clients, which hopefully if you're in sales, you have a target account list, um, ask those people on your show. Yeah. And yeah, I know you have a question, so I'll just finish this thought. Uh, yeah, so, please. Yeah, so um, the one thing there that most people underestimate is like that knowledge that you gain in those podcast interviews, that flows over to every conversation that you have outside of there, right? So you get to know your prospects like in a deep way, and you take that knowledge to every sales conversation that you have after mm-hmm. that. Yeah, more of a commentary. Just just since I've started the show, my, my show, uh, I've found that to your point, I ask better questions when I'm in discovery conversations, which is key in sales. If you can nail mm-hmm. discovery, you're gonna get stuff through the pipeline. So I, I ask deeper questions, more insightful questions. Uh, that was a skill that I I'm glad that I developed, and I think podcasting really put uh, some fuel on that fire. And then uh, just diction in general, being able to speak really clearly and concisely. I used to be one of those fast talkers in meetings yeah. where I'd rush through things. I sometimes use a lot of verbal fillers, sometimes still do, uh, but certainly the, the podcast has helped me to think more about what I'm going to say and slow things down a little bit in a way that's more understandable for the general audience. And then another sort of unintended outcome from having the podcast was, and even though I don't really sell to to the category that listens to my show, sometimes they still comment. My prospects will still comment on the fact that I'm putting content out there and they just respect that even though it's not necessarily, it doesn't necessarily resonate with them or doesn't align with what their job is. They probably have a family member who does appreciate the show. And in one case, I had a prospect say, my son's trying to get into software sales and uh, I pointed him to your show just because we love working with you. So there's just to your point, so many awesome benefits to it. And I'm curious, if, and like you said, also, this is not the silver bullet for all of your prospecting or pipeline challenges, but for the right rep out there, who's curious and wants to have a voice and wants to have a platform to share ideas, this is a great opportunity and it's a great space to be in for that rep that's out there listening. How would you get started today? If you were kicking up a podcast, you know, standing up a podcast in the next couple of weeks, what would be, you know, sort of step-by-step the process for launching? Yeah, I'll keep it very simple. So, um, and you know, like to be in sales these days, like you've got, you know, all of your regular sales activities that you need to do. And then you've also got to be active on LinkedIn. And then you've also got to create original content. You got to do all of these things Yeah. and a podcast. That's why I love podcasting so much because the single activity can solve a lot of those things for you. Um, and then there's, you know, so many educational and like self, 
um, and personal and professional growth that happens through being a podcast host as well as a benefit. Yeah. But to answer your question, if I was a seller and I was listening to this podcast and I was like, okay, I'm convinced I need to start a podcast or I want to give this a try. I would keep it extremely simple at first. I would not overcomplicate it. I wouldn't overthink it. You need a podcast name. Okay. So come up with a podcast name. Hopefully your show is going to be something around where you interview the types of people that you want to build relationships with. That highly depends on what you do. um, But your show should be about that. And um, you need something to record with. We're recording this on zoom. Um, Me and all of my clients, we use Riverside. Um, it's a little bit higher quality, but it's more work and post-production. So if you're trying to, you know, if you're on a tight budget or you're trying to manage this on your own, I wouldn't use Riverside. I would use StreamYard. And the reason that I would use StreamYard doesn't matter if you're streaming live or not. It's a great platform to record and minimize the editing work. Hmm. And so you need a name for your podcast, and then you need somebody to create your artwork and then your intro and your outro and your intro and outro are going to be like, you're going to record something of like what your podcast is about. You're going to have some closing thoughts for your podcast. You record that in audio, and then you want somebody to create a video version of that. Maybe there's some graphics or some music, yeah. things like that. You can go on Upwork, Fiverr. Maybe you have a friend that's creative. You can ask them to do it, pay them a little bit of money. Um, you only need those things one time. Yeah. For my first iteration, yeah. uh, for, sorry, just to chime in my first iteration, I just used Canva. So I just did a free podcast cover in Canva. I'm not an artist, so it was pretty, pretty rudimentary, but yeah, yeah it's, you can really, it's good enough. It's good yeah, enough, it to, get good started, enough right? to get started for you sure. You can always change these things. You can improve them over time. Um, the key is like, don't spend a ton of money. Don't overthink it. Like just get mm-hmm. it done. Yeah. So Fiverr, Upwork, Canva, all great resources. Um, And so the reason I like StreamYard is because you can have a design for your video that's kind of an overlay. And so that's going to be great for your YouTube videos because you can, okay, so you use StreamYard, you have your overlay. And then the interesting thing is when you hop on your interviews with people, you can play your intro, have your conversation, play your outro, and then stop recording. Hmm. And then your editing work, you're good enough to post editing work is done. You don't have to add the intro, add the outro. You can get fancier and run it through Descript and make the audio sound better. Not really necessary. The the main metric here is net new relationships with people that can drive revenue for you. So like how many downloads, how many listens, doesn't matter as much. Um, You're really focusing on the guest experience and being a good host. And that's the most important thing. And so, you know, to nail the guest experience, like make sure the scheduling process is easy, be a good host, listen, ask good questions, show up prepared, show up on time, simple details, uh, post interview. This is where most people totally drop the ball. And it's the biggest miss opportunity by most podcast hosts. They have somebody on episode goes live, send them the content, ask them to post it. And then they, and then it's crickets never hear from them again. So you want to figure out how to continuously add value to those people, how to constantly stay top of mind. You can do little things like, Hey, after the interview, record a video, send it to them. Thanks so much for taking time out of your day to come on. I really enjoyed learning this particular things. I know it's going to be extremely valuable to my listeners. Mm -hmm. Um, Just a quick, like two minute video or less, like send it the day of, or the very next day in the morning of them taking time out of their day to come on your podcast. 
Um, you can also wow. do things like use handwritten.com, send them a note. It's actually mm -hmm. written with a pen, um, thanking them. Uh, you know, if you have a SaaS product, maybe you give them an extended free trial. Hey, PS, everybody who comes on the show gets to try out our product for free for 90 days. Um, yeah. you know, Hey, we put together this really killer guide that you might find valuable. Um, so if you're targeting the right people that, you know, typically have a problem that your company solves, and then you build relationships in a way with them where you're adding value first, you're getting to know them on a personal deep level and you're collaborating and creating content together there's a really good chance that you're top of mind if you can mm -hmm. solve a problem for them. Um, and wow. a lot of these people will become your clients. They'll become referral sources or best case scenario, both. Wow. Yeah, that is, that's gold. I, I love the follow-up too. And, and it's so funny because all of these are exactly how you should manage a sales process, regardless, like podcasting aside, these are all just great habits to get into just as a seller, you know, planning, being prepared, showing up on time, being respectful, and then following up in a meaningful and engaging way that gets you, you know, a longer term relationship out of that conversation. Uh, that's a really great way to think about it too, that the, the gold is in building the relationships not so much having the perfect platform or the perfect uh, set of equipment or anything like that, or, or numbers analytics. It's really about that guest experience. I love that. Uh, and I'm going to take that to heart personally. There's I'm, I'm learning a ton from this. So if you can't tell, uh, I'm, I'm going to have some good action items coming out of this as well. Uh, what else, any, you know, sort of final thoughts for sellers out there yeah. who are trying to get their voice heard and trying to reach their mm -hmm. buyers and, and sell their products. Yeah. So the last thing that you kind of need that I didn't cover there is you need to host your podcast somewhere. So you can use mm -hmm. anchor.fm, which is free. Um, and that will serve as the host to push your content to all of the podcast platforms. Um, if you want to spend a little bit of money on this and, and, and if you're going to spend something, uh, I would say invest on the host <clears throat> and use yeah. Simplecast. Simplecast okay. is fantastic. The reason I like it, it has really good analytics. It'll get you on all the podcast platforms. Um, also, it's very easy to use. And the one benefit that I really like, especially if you're like trying to manage this on your own without spending money outsourcing or hiring somebody to do it, is you can create these really nice short clip audiograms directly mm -hmm. from Simplecast and then wow. give your guests like a really like best moment for them to share. Um, and you want that clip to really be something that's like lifting them up, showcasing them, um, elevating their thought leadership status and something that they're going to be really proud to share on their social channels. And, um, that will go a long way to in like really building that relationship as well. <clears throat> So I, you said this earlier, someone could really get started podcasting for basically free. I mean, maybe under a hundred bucks all in. Is that, is that really the case? Yeah, that's the case. I mean, yeah. StreamYard's like 15 bucks a month, 20 bucks a month, something like that. Um, if you go on the lowest plan of Simplecast, it's like 15 bucks a month. You could not go Simplecast and you go Anchor, which is free. Mm -hmm. um, and then you could find somebody on Fiverr or... Um, Fiverr or Upwork, or right. maybe you have a friend, something like that to create your intro and your outro and your original like show artwork. And you could even like use Canva to create your artwork and just pay somebody to create your intro and your outro mm -hmm. um, and sort of your overlay for your video. And those three things you can get created one time, as long as they're good enough, you can get started. Um, and you don't have to like constantly do those. And it's not like a, you know, constant monthly investment. It's just that one time yeah. setup. 
Yeah. I know with like anchor FM too, there's some tools in there for editing and you can add in, uh, the, you know, the intro outro, they have some like pre-built stuff. So like, there's never been a better time in terms of like the access to the technology and the ease of getting started. And the advice that was given to me and and you, you know, sort of recap this as well, which was just, just book your first guest and start, uh, you know, start having the conversations. That's really the first step in the process is, you don't have a pod, you know, if you're wanting to do a podcast, that's an interview format, you're not going to, you, you, nothing's going to happen until you book that first guest and get that under your belt so that you have a framework for do the, for how to do the next one and the next one and the next one. Right. So, uh, yeah. that's, that's, and even, awesome. and even, and that's a great point. Like, so even to like, just simplify it, like before you go all in on getting everything started and maybe this will give you the nudge to get all those things done is just go reach out to like 20 people, 20 people that you'd love to do business with, or you'd love to yeah. have relationships with, whether it's to collaborate, to partner with, or to directly do business with, reach out to 20 mm-hmm. people and just give them a compelling reason why you would want to interview them on your podcast and see what happens. See how many people say yes. You will be surprised, especially if you're used to like making cold calls, sending cold emails and like prospecting on LinkedIn, where right. like if you're good, you're getting a t- 10% positive reply. If you mm-hmm. reach out to these 20 people, you're going to get like an 80 or 90% like people raising their hands saying, yes, I'd love to come on your podcast. And so the one of the like biggest benefits of having a podcast is it's a lot easier to get access to people that you would have a harder time with any other method. So true. Well, Colin, thanks so much for coming on and sharing your wisdom about podcasting and sales and business. Uh, how can, how can my listeners find you? Yeah. So really, really simple. Um, I'm going to do something a little bit different here. I do have a podcast, but in this context, in this conversation, based on this audience, I want to offer something special. Um, And so I want to offer a free podcast strategy session. This is not an undercover sales call. This is not a Bant call. This is not a discovery call. This is literally 45 minutes of my time where I will give you all of my best ideas, how to start a revenue generating podcast, everything that you need to know to get started, answer any questions that you have. And I will literally give you that strategy document at the end of the call. And so to take advantage of that call, which we're going to do for free for your listeners here, they can yeah. just go over to podsesh.com. That's podsesh.com. They can book a free strategy call where I'll give them all of my best ideas and answer any questions they have about starting a revenue generating podcast. That's great. I'll post that link in the show notes. Colin, I can't thank you enough for coming on and I've learned a ton and uh, I hope everyone will take him up on this offer to do the pod sesh. 